All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to Make It Plain Wayne, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So, for today's topic, let's get into Game of Thrones. And, <laughs> like, how do you even, you know, how do you even get into a topic like this? Like, where do you even start? Such a great show, such a controversial show. And, you know, like, for, first, let me just say thank you. I appreciate this show. It was such a great show. Um, even with the controversial ending, I felt like I could grow with this show and learn, you know, with this show. And, and with the show almost starting 10 years ago, uh, we really get to see the characters grow. Um, I specifically am a father and I, I have a daughter now. So with the Stark daughters, I was allowed to be attached to them in a way where they were like my daughters. Um, you know, when, when they started the series, they might have been, you know, 10 years old, 12 years old, you know, 13 or 14, which, you know, a lot of my friends have kids that age. And so they start off as children. And by the end of the show, even Sansa Stark is saying, you know, I was a girl at this time. I was a girl when this happened. And now they're, you know, pretty much adults. They're grown women that, you know, should be feared and respected. <laughs> but such a great show, such a controversial show. And there were so many things in it that, you know, I, I had as takeaways that were, you know, very fun and dynamic. Um, one I know that will stick out to me forever now is that we we had two actresses that had played Sarah Connor in Game of Thrones. The first was, of course, uh, Miss Lena Headey. Um, yes, Miss Cersei Lannister was, in fact, a... Uh, Sarah Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles uh, back in the day. Uh, it was, I think, maybe 2008, maybe nine uh, that the, the show came out, Sarah Connor Chronicles. And of course, you need a strong male figure uh, like Alina Hetty, who is, you know, the queen of Sparta. And uh, later, I believe, during the filming of Game of Thrones, um, a gangster mob boss and Judge Dredd. Uh, you need kind of a, a power-hungry, strong, dominant uh, female lead for a character like uh, Cersei Lannister. You definitely do. And then uh, with uh, Daenerys Targaryen, Miss Emilia Clarke, uh, she was Sarah Connor in the 2015 Terminator film. So you... You really got a lot of jewels in this show. And I think one of the reasons why uh, it was really hard for fans and the ending of the show and not ending the way it, you know, not ending the way they wanted it to end is because of not just how well the writing was and how good the story was adapted, um, but also the acting. These actors played the part so well that in my mind, there were no side characters. And now you might look and see that there was somebody who didn't have as much screen time. You might look and see that there was someone, you know, that maybe had 10 episodes or five episodes or just, you know, two or three episodes. 
But what they would do with that person is make them so significant and meaningful to that role that you remember them. Like you just remember them. And hey, if you don't remember them, hey, here's this map. (laughs) Here's this map that shows the kingdoms that, you know, we want to rule over as Daenerys or as, you know, the Lannisters or the Mad King. So, you know, let, let me stop, you know, messing around here. The questions filled everybody's mind toward the end. It was the questions, the controversy, but ultimately it was the passion. The passion that drove everybody, the passion that kept them coming back to the show, the passion that deeply rooted them into the characters that they saw in themselves. I get it. You know, I binge watched the show all the way through. I literally turn it off and then turn on another episode. The next chance I got, I take a break on the weekend, maybe to, you know, get some air, get some food, water, you know, oxygen in my body. (laughs) And, you know, hopefully keep my wife from not killing me. You know, I I kept my wedding ring on the whole time I watched the show, so I'm not guilty. Um, But (laughs) this show was amazing. Like I said, I'm thankful for this opportunity. It was a great opportunity. It was wonderful. Great adaptation. Um, I'd love to write a few books and have them adapted as well as this. So, you know, it's just, it's an op. I haven't seen anything like this. And now I've had the chance, you know, you know, being now that I'm in my 30s, I've had the chance to see, you know, some great TV shows. I I really have. And now with, uh, you know, the push of streaming and Hulu and Netflix and HBO Go and Showtime and, you know, all these services, now that they're being pushed, streaming and binge watching is at an all time high. And that's how I got to watch the show. So I'm thankful. You know, I really am. Um, But not everybody got what I got. I got to watch it all the way through. The taste never quite left my mouth. I was never hungry because I approached Game of Thrones the same way I approach a 400 meters, same way I approach a 400 meter hurdles. (laughs) I take it one step at a time and I just kept rolling. You know, I, I I had a really good pace. So let me just go ahead and, you know, start with the massacre at King's Landing. Uh, you know, the, the very last episode, the Iron Throne, um, you know, it, it, it really is Danny versus Cersei. And the whole thing that I really enjoyed about Danny's run to power, you know, so Daenerys Targaryen is seeking out to do what I don't believe any woman has done. In, in the history of their textbooks, in their history. And I could clearly see the favoritism in her from the moment I started watching the show because of what she had done. And, and the term plot armor gets mentioned um, by a lot, of few, a lot of friends and family members, but even with my best friends, family members, and what I've seen, you know, or try to hide from, I'm sorry, online, in reviews, and, and pages, I actually had to hide from that because I wanted to have my opinion strategic 
to my heart and strategic to my desires and my enjoyment. But I have heard some of those things and I have heard some of these arguments just over dinner, just out and about, and I get it. With Daenerys, she was trying to break the wheel so that we didn't have more of the same. And then in the end, yes, it was hurried. Yes, it was rushed by making Bran the king of the seven kingdoms, king of the realm, six, six, six kingdoms, I'm sorry, <clears throat> and having the north as itself. I get it. Like, I really get it. It's very safe and very clean writing. I even had my sister tell me it's it's a Disney ending for a show that is not a Disney show. And it it could have ended different, and I'll get to that. But what Daenerys and Cersei were doing is just more of the same. We're just killing and doing all this stuff for a name. We're just killing and doing all this stuff for a title. We're just killing and doing all this stuff for an idea. The well-being of the people never uh, never really surfaced as the chief priority, as the chief thing, as the, the, the most important priority, the value. And that's exactly what happens in real life. We get bullied by people. We get hit by missiles accidental fire like all these things happen because of somebody's idea somebody's name i mean even with drunk driving texting and driving and 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 people driving when they're tired like semis when sem- people driving semis are tired and they just start wrecking in the cars people are drinking and driving people are texting and driving the idea that they're okay to drive home could mean the end of lives. And I think this is no different. Because of my disagreement with one person, I drag the Unsullied, the Dothraki, the uh, Winterfell, the Starks, the... uh, uh, Did I I get the star? Car Starks, uh, River Run. So... All these people against one another, you know, Tully, all that. All these people are against each other for basically two people. And that's, you know, it is our reality. But on the same token, it's, you know, it is beautifully presented the way they they put it. Now, to me, I saw a, a, a very strong difference in Danny and Cersei. Um, with Danny and Cersei, uh, because I thought to me, Danny is actually crazy. Daenerys Targaryen is actually crazy. You got to be crazy to just think I'm fireproof. I can hold on to things that would burn up any normal man. I can walk into a tent on fire and kill all the Dothraki. I can walk into a, a, a bonfire where they're burning my husband with three dragon eggs and come out as the mother of dragons. So she's crazy to me. And I could see this clearly as the shows progress. People said they couldn't see it, but no one, no one should have told me that because from the minute 
They said they didn't see that she was crazy. That's all I saw. Yes, she was a nice woman. Yes, she was a caring woman, but she's crazy. And I don't think our definition of normal and crazy have been defined well enough. You can be a working crazy and all it takes is just a a few things to get you back to calm. Or you could be the type of crazy where if somebody keeps pushing your buttons like on an elevator, they just push the right combination and bam, you massacre King's Landing, the children, the kids, the, you know, the families, all that. And you think you're doing a good job. Oh, no. So to me, Danny is crazy. Cersei is a thug gangster. Cersei Lannister is a thug in every sense of the way, a gangster in every sense of the way, like the whole build the wall thing with Trump and and Crips and Bloods and MS-13 and the Italian mobster movies that I've seen. Like she was all of that wrapped in one, especially the way she destroyed and blew up the High Septum meeting to basically dethrone her and throw her in prison for life or death or whatever. Because there was no way she would admit defeat. There's just, there's just no way. And I mean, and that scene with, you know, Maggie Tyrell and Loris Tyrell and uh, the High Septum leader and all the High Septums and then the, the Lannister cousin and, you know, the whole, whole who's who of King's Landing is there to find out how Cersei would do. And, and of course, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the new queen, the new queen Lannister, Maggie uh, Tyrell or Lannister, you know, her and her husband, Tommen, were just, you know, so sweet and so wholesome and so innocent. And I know what Maggie was trying to do. I, I, I really see it in her run in the show. I thought it was beautiful thought it was great how she almost took all of the power from Cersei Lannister. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was great. I, I actually loved the, the Tyrell family. I, I thought they were amazing. And they remind me of what you would see in, in present day from a, uh, a kingdom with money and power. You know, a great knight that, you know, is, is almost invincible. He's so good looking, but you know, he's gay. So (laughs) none of the women know what to do, but you hear rumors. And then, you know, his sister as, as beautiful as she is, she learned a lot from grandma Tyrell and grandma Tyrell wasn't about that mess. She knew that she had a family to protect. And as long as she was alive, she knew how to do it. And I love that. And, and me personally, if you've spent time at any senior living facility, you get to talk to these people, you understand they're older, but some of them are still sharp as a whip. Their stories are better than what you see on TV. So what what Grandma Tyrell ends up doing in, in the end of the show and admitting what she did to Jamie Lannister and, and how she kind of, you know, got rid of <laughs> that Joffrey, um, it kind of makes perfect sense. Like I, I definitely understand it, and um, I definitely see it. But back to my point: Danny is crazy. Cersei is a thug. Simply put. Um, but this plot armor. Let me talk about this plot armor for a second, um, because I, I, you know, 
I try not to listen to too many people's opinions until I've had a chance to develop my own. Um, for me, I only look at Rotten Tomatoes with about a 50%, you know, seriousness, accuracy. So I, I and I've seen people destroy movies for me before I get a chance to see them. And then I see them a year later. And I'm like, man, I really like that. They said this was like a three or a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. I wonder why. Well, you can't let people think for you. Nobody out here is going to order what I want to eat today, tomorrow, and the next seven to 24 days. Like nobody can do that. So no one should be able to choose my movie critique for me and movies for me, just like no one's going to eat the same things I eat. There are things that I just do not eat because I, I don't like them. So why did they die and why did others live? Such a deep and methodical question. Um, you know, Jamie and Cersei got off easy. Um, Theon Greyjoy, of all people, uh, I thought he would go much quicker than Mormont, uh, the, the guard of, of Miss Lannister. I, I thought he would be gone, you know, much sooner. Um, you know, he was such a great guard and protector of, I'm sorry, uh, Daenerys, the whole season or the whole show until she finds out that, you know, he was a spy. Um, Varys, you're smarter than that. You are smarter than that. How would you conspire against the queen that now you've ran to for help? Like, I get it, but, you know, the way they had written that, it just, uh, I, I would have had it done another way. I would have had the magician that, you know, locked him up or, uh, I'm sorry, the magician that had him, you know, uncut. Maybe they have a final battle. They have a final fight. He chases chases him across the world to find him and they fight to the death. Maybe something like that. You know, I mean, you could have everybody die out and it'd be poetic Romeo and Juliet style. Um, but how would you be so dumb as to conspire against Daenerys Targaryen? Like, Cersei is crazy. Uh, Cersei Lannister is a thug, a gangster, which is like a paranoia that if you've never been around it, I, I'm going to just introduce you to thug and gangster life really quick. If you've never been around a thug or a gangster, paranoia is a 100% reality. So, I mean, there's guys that have, they have it so good. I... <sighs> They know how many steps you're going to take. They know where you live based on how you smell. You know, it, it's, it's always that kind of paranoia where you just sense out the whole environment, rattlesnake style. You just, <laughs> you just shake and you just feel the whole room. You can feel all the money, who's dangerous, you know, who brushed their teeth, <laughs> you know, who showers. You can feel all that in the room. And so that paranoia, you know, kind of makes sense to me, but... Cersei, yes. Daenerys, completely different ball game. Completely different ball game. So we just saw her uh, burn up the, uh, Sam's dad and, and brother. They wouldn't bow to the queen. She burned him up in the field with Dracon. So you know that. 
then that's for them not bowing. And then you're running around trying to make side deals, you know, in, in NBA, NFL draft deals, you know, trade trade agreements with Jon Snow, with Aegon Targaryen. <laughs> now, Sunday of all the deaths, when you would say, why did they die and why did others live? Sunday had to die for Daenerys to snap. Now, Sunday was one of my favorite characters in the whole show. She speaks 19 languages. She was once a slave and now she is free and serves as a high advisor to the, the mother of dragons, Khaleesi, breaker of chains. You know, she serves as an advisor to her and does a great job. I don't really remember, I remember seeing uh, Miss Sunday and Daenerys at, at each other very much at all. Now, there are, of course, times where Daenerys comes at odds with Grey Worm, comes at odds with the, the new uh, man that she marries in Marine. And also with um, the the guy with the the dagger with the woman on it. I can't remember her lover. Can't remember his name. Um, she comes at odds, of course, with Tyrion Lannister. You know, just basically thinking he's trying to you know conspire against her. Uh, with Varys, of course, and with Mormont, of course. Um, you know, as not just a spy, but leadership is tough. People disagreeing with you is tough. It doesn't make you feel good. But Sunday dying was the straw that broke the camel's back. So her death plus the sons of Harpy, I believe, broke Danny. Her first full kingdom, her, her first true rulership and being in a castle, a, a pyramid, it was full of innocence being murdered. And even one of her dragons had killed a child. And the guy that was trying to explain it didn't speak, you know, the common tongue. So, you know, they had to interpret. And then we find out that one of her dragons is just out there killing anything small with meat on it, which includes children. So leadership is tough. Like this show really proved that. It really proved that to me. And that no matter who you are, you're going to mess up at something. And, and I was glad that they showed that. I was really glad. So, yes, it's leadership is not easy. I know everybody thinks, you know, hey, this person should be president. This person should. This person shouldn't. This person should be mayor. This person should be CEO. This person should be boss. I get it. You know, I watch horrible bosses. I've seen office space. And I've even been told that, you know, people don't quit jobs. They quit managers. Well, that's all we saw in this show was people quitting jobs and quitting managers at the same time. So that's my belief is that in the writing, in the in the creation of what we saw. That Sunday dying was the straw that broke the camel's back. And if I'm Daenerys the the battle with the night king and the army of the dead celebrating and coming through that is both a great victory and a great sorrow because now you do have the dothraki behind you and all of those that have sworn to join leadership with you 
but you lost a lot. So to now come to King's Landing, which should be an easy thing to bump off the, the, the chart, which she did. I mean, they're, I mean, just her and Dracon just annihilated the whole King's Landing and, and could have went all the way into burning up the mountain and Cersei right there in the top of the Red Guard. It just, it all got to her. And I, it, to me, it's not a woman or a man thing because if this show proved anything, no matter who you are, power can be a very intoxicating thing. It can make you very drunk. And the men and women of this show, they really took full advantage of that power. The men looked stupid and, and, and disgusting doing it. The women looked stupid and disgusting doing it. But when people are out killing and massacring people, sometimes you have to be some of that to, to protect others and keep yourself alive, which is like, it, it's crazy. But this show was addictive to me. It was maybe the most addictive show I've ever seen. Now, I don't know if it's because of where I am as far as age. I don't think at 18, I would have really been able to grasp a show like this. I would have seen the nudity and just thought it, that it was great. Um, but the development of this show, the books that came before the show, and I'm actually glad I didn't read the books. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I could read them now and I'd probably have the greatest time in the world because the books are always better than the movies. I mean, Passion of the Christ taught me that. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I don't know. And that's another topic. Any Christian who thought that the Passion of Christ was the best movie to depict and show Christ, I'll slap you. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to slap you, but come on now. You have the whole what was it? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's it. That's basically what we saw the last few chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for the passion of the Christ. When in fact, the reason why he is called what he's called and why we have so many churches and cathedrals and all that is because of what he did when the movie stops. We never saw the passion of the Christ. <laughs> We just saw a, a court trial, a OJ trial, a, a Rodney King trial. That's what we saw. So my point, the books are always better. I don't know if I would have enjoyed this movie as much at a younger age. And they really, they really helped us out by putting this on HBO. Nudity, sex, drinking, gore, fights, swordplay, costumes, I mean, monsters, dragons, zombies, beautiful and ugly landscapes, drama. There was just so much. And I completely get it. If this just isn't your, your thing, you don't like this kind of show, this kind of genre, I get it. I 100% get it. Um, when I get a chance to gobble up power and watch that, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to have... You know, I'm really going to have a discussion with the people I know that have watched both Power and Game of Thrones because the people that I know that have watched Power and Game of Thrones, you know, my friends, my family, um, it was tough for them to decide. You know, for a lot of them, it was the music and the score, the, the feel of 
a world that is close to them, but glamorized that they took away from the show. But I don't know. You know, it was addictive to me. It it, it was very addictive. And I want to take a break from talking about why the show was so addictive to talk about a segment that I just want to call F that dude. Yeah, really F that dude. (laughs) This show created such an unhealthy appetite for revenge and gore. I, I kid you not. I think if I didn't see a breast or some legs or some thighs like KFC, Every episode, I saw a throat getting cut. It was like somebody's throat getting slit. Every episode. So I'm just going to go down the list because I pretty much wanted to hold up my middle finger to all these people. The Grandmaster Picel, that dude, oh my God, kick him out the window. Littlefinger, thank you, Arya. Uh, <laughs> Tywin Lannister, Okay, so I have mixed feelings about that. Such a great mind. Such a great presence. Sadanoopsy. Sadanoopsy. (laughs) As we call him in The Golden Child. You know, I I loved his presence in The Golden Child. He's taken care of himself very well. I mean, he was was the the demon in Dracula Untold that gave uh, Luke his powers, that gave, you know, Vlad the Impaler his powers. Um, and I even saw him in the Ali G movie, you know, way back uh, in early 2000s. Um, great mind, but just horrible to Tyrion. If if they wanted to expose and show the weakness in his character consistently and repeatedly, it was Tyrion Lannister. When there actually should be no weakness, he made a weakness out of it, and it was that that itch that he just couldn't quite scratch. And with a man of that type of military precision and and power and strategy, I'd imagine he was probably the greatest sword fighter we'd, you know, probably seen and that's might have been why, you know, Jamie Lannister was so good. Um which by the way, seeing Jamie Lannister's hand chopped off like that that really hurt me. I'm not going to lie, that really hurt me to see it. Um but with Tywin Lannister um, he just set that up. He really set that up. I mean, the way they played it toward the end with, you know, uh, Shay, I mean, such a beautiful woman, such a beautiful actress. She really played the flaw and the conflict of love and fear very well. Um, it's just my belief that with love and fear, if, if your desire to win is more than your fear, then you're, you're fine. But if your fear is higher than your desire to win, if your fear is higher than your desire to love, you know, it sets you up. It, it is a cage. And Tyrion was in that cage. And, you know, what happened with Shay was, you know, a bit of mess. Stannis Baratheon way too much influence with the priestess. And I mean, he killed his brother. He killed his wife. He killed his daughter. I, I believe his wife killed herself. But like, just no, like, no. What kind of king is going to put all of his faith and love and trust? And now she's beautiful, gorgeous redhead. 
I think redheads are beautiful. I don't know if the world agrees with me or denies it. Usually they make fun of them, call them redhead stepchild. But like they really represented and showed, you know, a beautiful woman. And it was just too much. Come on. Like he really let her whisper the, the, the sweet nothings in his ear and all of it was wrong. And then later when we see her true self, you know, I know what everybody was thinking. She took out that necklace and you were like, yeah, it's about time. Like now, now, now I want you. <laughs> now I'm excited. <laughs> but she took off that necklace and we see that she's, you know, maybe 90, maybe 100 years old. And it's like, what kind of magical power is this? Oh, my God. But then you, you have to ask the question. Is it dementia? Is it Alzheimer's? And has she been this fire priestess so long that she just takes any flicker of, of flame and fire as the, the campaign for what's what's next? Does she, does she fully assess and read into what's necessary and what's next? Now, they had Sandor Clegane looking into the fire seeing things and I don't know how he saw it, but he saw something. But yeah, so Stans Baratheon, peace out, homie. Sorry. Uh, Shay, annoying and betrayed. I mean, I just Tyrion tried so hard to get her to leave. So it was only fitting that he'd be the one to be able to choke her out and put the crossbow bolt right through his dad's, you know, heart, which I thought was, is very Romeo and Juliet, very poetic, um, very brutal, um, you know, br very brutal way to go out, you know, just right in that same scene. And uh, <laughs> now I'll tell you who I wasn't sad to see go at all was Gilly's dad. I mean, it's Gilly's dad and her baby daddy. I mean, this dude was disgusting. He was in a whole village full of women that he had, women that he had as daughters and impregnated with future children. And then he's giving his, you know, baby boys to the Night King. Just disgusting. I'm like, come, like, disgusting. Like, just run, just leave. Whatever you got to do, like, don't, why do you have a village? Like, you shouldn't even be here. If that's what you want to do, no, just no. And I mean, he was purely out there just to take advantage of being an R. Kelly. Like, oh, it's just disgusting. Um, next, Bolton everything. Just get rid of Bolton everything. Ramsey Bolton, Ruse Bolton, get rid of it all. Hate it all. Just, ugh, gross. Nasty. What Ramsey did to Theon Greyjoy was not only... Um, a little demented and demonic, not only to take a man's manhood, but to play with him and abuse him and beat him like that when, like, I thought he was a Stark, but he was really just a bastard son of the, of the Bolton. And I'll be honest, one of the reasons why, um, I, I can't remember his name, it's like Ewan Rhea, or I can't remember the, the guy's name, that plays Ramsey Bolton, um, he also played Maximus in in humans and I had so many high hopes for that show because I, I watch Agents of Shield 
And I had so many high hopes for that show because Inhumans had something that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did not have. Inhumans was pretty much just like or similar to X-Men, which I feel like still is, you know, still operating below its potential. And the only thing that's allowed it to, you know, perform and be great and amazing and beautiful is, you know, just completely ignoring that 2006 film where they kill Professor Xavier in the middle of the movie and moving on to the new movies that we, you know, had seen to come know and love. First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and then Dark Phoenix. They did a great job. Um, you know, of course, you know, Deadpool is connected to that and did, you know, a great, great job with those two movies. Um, but his role as Maximus, I just lost my mind when I realized that he was just a guy that talks. So he went from Game of Thrones where he was being sadistic and nasty and twisted, you know, beating women, you know, beating Cersei or uh, uh, Sansa Stark um, during sex to have a, a son, an heir, beating her and not just not her face, sicking dogs on innocent girls just running through the woods. I don't know that girl, but I mean, a dude just ugh, he just bothered me. So he played his part very well. What I didn't appreciate was the Inhuman show making the, the, the super climactic and big bad boss of the movie a guy that I could beat up right now. I'm, that's not a joke. Like I, I'm like, are you serious? Like John Wick could have destroyed this guy in, in one minute of the first episode. Like it'd be over. Be, it'd be done. It'd be toast. So, yeah, I was so glad to see the Boltons go. And the funny thing about the guy that played Ruse Bolton, his real name is Michael. <laughs> so Michael Bolton, that which is I, I think is kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, those guys sided with the Lannister. So get out of here. Um, <laughs> this Alistair Thorne. I didn't realize this, but, oh, no, I'm sorry. Alistair Thorne, uh, now he was the commander of, the, of the, the Night's Watch, the Night's Watch that came up and knifed Jon Snow like it was a prison yard stabbing. I was so disrespected with that, so taken by that. And then for the little boy to come up and, and stab him one good time, I mean, yeah, he hung him, you know, they hung him all. And that's why Jon Snow gave up, you know, gave up his, his reins until everybody came back. But yeah, that dude just got on my nerves. It's like, okay, you're at the night's watch, but why is it your job to just second guess and hate on this dude every chance you get? I mean, there's real people like that. So I'm asking the question why, but there's people that do this anyway. It's, 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 it, people do it in real life. So I'm like, y'all are killing your boy. He just helped you all. And you're killing your boy. So, you know, okay. And I mean, what, what honestly Jon Snow sort of told the little guy was, hey, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. You killed the woman I love. So I think we're about even. But hey, you can't let it go. You can't let it go. I, I get it. Now, Sam's dad, 
uh, Randall Tarley, and now Dickon, great name. Uh, Randall Tarley was like the biggest three-minute jerk I've ever seen in a show. Like his goal was specifically to make you hate him, and he did a great job. <laughs> but I'm like, what? Like, get him out of here. I was like, Daenerys, toast. Put it on medium, medium well. I was like, toast this dude. Get him out of here. F that dude. <laughs> um, the girl, the girl. The many-faced god, the no one, the no, the Jack and Hagar's trainee of the many-faced god. Oh my God, like, what is her deal? It was like, the, the girl in Resident Evil that does the voice, you'll all die down here. It was like that girl, but that would run around and try to kill you. That's how I felt. I'm like, get off me. Like, I just, oh, I hated just her, just stankness. It was like that weak old garbage can stank, but just running around with barrettes and a sword. Just, ugh. So, yeah, I, I didn't like her. Thank you. Aria for proving who you are. Not only are you a wolf and a Stark, but you're also a, a, a very well-trained um, pupil and prospect of the many-faced God. And I don't know why Jack and Hagar was smiling at her in the end when he said she was no one. He she, she was truly no one. She said that I am Arya Stark of Winterfell. And he smiled. Now, I don't know if that means, hey, thank God I'm done babysitting, like get the hell out of here and let me go have cake and ice cream. Like I'm happy because I can go be the many faced whatever and I have to worry about babysitting. Like, I don't know what that means or if he really just, you know, was happy and happy for and, and thought she had a good journey. Now this Mirren Trant, the soldier from Lannister that Arya kills at the brothel Oh my God, I forgot what he did. I actually forgot what he did. But the fact that he wanted to do the whole R. Kelly pedophile thing and, you know, he, he wanted a, a, a young uh, prostitute, like, hey, that disturbed me already. That the women that they brought in weren't enough for him and he had to choose a younger uh, a girl. And these girls look like they couldn't have been but maybe 12 which is like, ugh, gross. And I mean, they couldn't have wrote that scene better. I mean, the way Arya killed this dude, it was like, it's personal. Like anybody can kill anybody with a big long sword or a spear where you can be pretty much far away. But when you use a knife, you mean it. Like that's anger. Like that is fuel, that, that is pure fire. <laughs> like you really mean it, that's anger. So. You know, I still don't know what he did. I forgot. <laughs> I, I think he killed some of her friends when um, they got captured after leaving the uh, 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 burned down castle. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was River Run or uh, I can't remember the castle name, but the castle was basically burned down and busted from the dragons that the Mad King had, I believe. But it was in ruins. That's where Arya is the handmaid for, for Tywin Lannister. Um, I do remember that, but I don't remember who he killed or if it was just a bunch of people on Arya's kill list. 
Okay, so the septum uvella. Now, I actually like this character. Now, this was the one that kept ordering around Cersei Lannister. She cut her hair. She, you know, body her up in the room. I think she threw a couple gut punches and then poured water on her. And if she wouldn't admit her defeat, she'd just pour the water right on the ground. That was for her whole day. Um, but the high septum Unella, um, I mean, just a good slap. That would have been fine. Like, I, I really didn't want to see her hurt. She's actually a really beautiful woman. And if you ever see these people in, in everyday life, they had to make them look ugly. A lot of them make them look ugly um, because they are really presentable, professional people, really, really great looking people. Um, but yeah, Cersei just needed a timeout. You know, <laughs> she needed a timeout and this the, the septum guard, that's what I'm going to call her, uh, Unella. She really did a great job of being that that correctional officer. Um, but, yeah, it was just the way she was doing it. I was just like, man, somebody needs to slap her. <laughs> it's just like, don't be exactly like her. If you want to show her, you know, what she's doing wrong, like, that's cool. You starve somebody long enough they'll start to see the error of their ways. I, I'm, I'm serious. It's hard to be angry and thinking the same exact things when you haven't eaten the same foods you were eating when you were mad. Like, it doesn't work like that. When you get starved out, you talk to anybody that's been in solitary confinement in, in, in prison or in jail, it's, it's not built to make you stronger of a person. It will break you down. And which is really surprising to see Cersei uh, come from, you know, that, do the walk of shame and, um, you know, still hold on to her guns. You know, once she had a chance to get a little cry out, you know, watch a little Lifetime and, and get her soul back and get into the Red Guard. You know, she got the, monster, the mountain on her side and just decided, I'm going to take this thing apart piece by piece. And we see her blow up the high septum. Euron Greyjoy. Definitely, definitely, definitely somebody I wanted to see just kicked right in the face. The, the, <laughs> just the arrogance and killing, you know, killing Greyjoy, uh, the King Greyjoy, and then, you know, trying to kill his own niece. Actually, he didn't kill her, he just captured her. I mean, he basically used his niece as a bargaining chip to get with. Cersei Lannister and she was already pregnant so no matter what it was just going to be another incest baby on the throne so you know Euron Greyjoy um, the actor that played him did an excellent job and I'm, I'm hearing that in the book he was much more of a menacing character and what was really written it, 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 it was a little bit different than what we saw there were two people and I believe they combined them into one um but yeah, Melisandre, Melisandre uh, the fire priestess, um, yeah, it, I was glad to see her go because I'm like, you caused so much damage where things could have been united. They really could have been united. Stannis Baratheon didn't need really anything but a little bit of help from his brother. I mean, they, they could have shook on it, but with that fire priestess, she got in his head real good. You know, he saw that redness. You saw that beautiful woman. She probably was naked, and or yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She seduced him. I remember that now. Um, but last but not least, the one at the top of the list for f that dude 
is Jeffrey Baratheon. And he's not Jeffrey Baratheon, he's Jeffrey Lannister. We know that now. And just the the sheer arrogance and sheer immaturity and energy all combined that made him decide I'm gonna cut Ned Stark's head. Like that just flipped me upside down, left, right, turn it around, do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That flipped me all around. I'm like, oh, Ned, I, I like Sean Bean. And then after, after I watched the first episode, my, my buddies were like, you know Sean Bean has the most on-screen deaths of like any actor, right? <laughs> so I'm like, man, all right. You know, and the actor that played Jeffrey Baratheon, Jeffrey, or Joffrey Baratheon, Joffrey Stark, he's actually a really nice kid. He's actually a really good kid. And his depiction and his portrayal of Joffrey Baratheon, it just made my skin crawl to see the arrogance, the immaturity, and all the energy combined. And the reason why is because we have so much of that today. I've seen that same Joffrey Baratheon character in so many other movies, in so many other shows, and in so many other series. And that Joffrey Baratheon character although they're not a king, is like the captain of the football team, the basketball team. Um, you see them in certain movies and shows, and they usually bully everybody around with the level of power that they have. So, you know, for me, that was... It was disgusting. That's what it was. It was disgusting, but satisfying at the same time to watch him choke out on that wine. It was really sad because like, I'm a nice guy, I'm a nice person. I believe that we're all uh, uh, um, able to be bettered and changed with the right circumstances. I don't have the right circumstances for him. So now, you know, getting up in years and getting up in age, I understand that I can't save everybody. That's, that's, that's another person's job. So <laughs> while I can't save everybody, I know that you know, things like this might happen. So, you know, for Joffrey Baratheon, sorry, dude. He makes the top of the F this dude list. You know, I just, there were so many sad moments when you saw people go and this guy just, he was, he was the, the top. He took the top. It was him and, and Ramsey Bolton that just made me lose my mind. I'm just like, oh God, I thought I got rid of these like annoying little power trip dudes and you know such is life you know they're there they're here they're everywhere um now there were some symbolisms in game of thrones that just i mean really blew me away and these were the things that just kind of stuck with me and you know I'm, I'm just gonna work with it um the mountain versus the viper fight not only was the mountain like a mountain, the viper was like a viper. Every spear stroke and strike was, it, it was so precise and so deadly the way um, the viper of Dorne went at him. And if, if anything, I would love to see maybe a spinoff show where they have maybe more of, of Dorne. Um, it, we only got to see a little bit of Dorne. Actually, we only got to see a little bit of climate that was more than like 
60 degrees. <laughs> it was a very cold show. Game of Thrones is a very cold show, and the Night King made sure of that, you know, by, by being the, the main nemesis um, that we don't know, um, we definitely made sure of that. The, La the Lannisters, you know, being in King's, King's Landing seemed like it'd be like a, you know, village in Sweden or something. But um, the mountain versus viper fight, and then the fights and the war that broke out from that were very mountain and viper-like, with not only King's Landing being that mountain, because if, if you know anything about mountains, they're just as mysterious and uh, uh, dangerous as the oceans that go as deep as they do. They're, I mean, the oceans can go as deep as the mountains go up. And the fact that the Dorn, the, the, the Viper of Dorn was smack talking the mountain without knowing if he was dead, he was still on the mountain. So if you're still on the mountain or around the mountain, it's a possibility that some hot lava can explode on you, that a rock could fall on you, or that you could trip and fall and slip into, you know, a dangerous predicament. He knocked out this dude's teeth with one punch. Now, the real mountain, the guy is, he's like super strong. Dude is huge. He's a giant. Um, but the fights that ensued after them were very mountain and viper-like with their families and with, of course, King's Landing and, and Dorne. Um, Dracon burns the throne down to nothing. That, I love, absolutely love that symbolism because it really proved to me that these dragons aren't just smart creatures. They can contemplate and understand a little bit more than we give them credit for. That's the one thing that Tyrion said. They are very intelligent creatures, and that's why he wanted to, wanted to have one. The Night King. The Night King represents our threat. True threat, I'm sorry. So the dead army is basically the equivalent to me of our failures. Together, we're more. Together, we can achieve. And our togetherness was more important than the kingdoms. It really was. And if the Night King didn't prove that, I don't know what, what would. Our togetherness was so much more important than our individual kingdoms. And look at how they came together. They even went to King's Landing to ask for help. I never thought I would see Jon Snow in King's Landing. Like just me personally, I thought somebody would kill Cersei before he'd have to, you know, go. But they went and asked for help. And the, the sad part is after that, only them, only that place was still the enemy. And you can't have everybody as your enemy and think you're going to win. The Red Guard isn't that strong. The mountain ain't that strong. I mean, his brother ran a, a, a dagger right through his forehead. So I think the next thing that really stuck with me uh, was the different patterns and costumes in each kingdom. Bad teeth, good teeth, uh, you know, the, the areas that they traveled to were different. What we wear in King's Landing versus what we wear in uh, Winterfell is different. We saw that, hey, there's a little bit more money in some kingdoms. There's a little bit more uh, uh, testosterone in others. This kingdom over here, they don't really do, they don't really wash well or, or 
bathe well, but they cook well. You know, hot pie, he was making that brown water and that bread. So every kingdom was subject to something or every kingdom was built out of something and represented, uh, uh, you know, different aspects of not just the time that is similar to what we were seeing, um, but how we are as people. Like, I get it. Look at the NFL, the NBA. Um, look at our gymnasts. Look at our track athletes, our tennis players, our golfers. I mean, we got one guy named Tiger, one guy named Bubba, you know. So <laughs> the high septum merging with King's Landing, that was uh, a little bit scary to me. Um, we have the separation of church and state. But in some ways, I see it different. I see the government as the top religion in, in our country. And I see that that has more emphasis and love and focus and more of a push than than anything I've seen with churches. Um, I'll never, you know, I've never really seen the outreach and push for the things that a church or churches are doing as much as uh, what, you know, Democrat does this, Republican does that, liberals are doing this, you know, the millennials are back in this. And it's just like, what? But the high septum is merging with King's Landing and then destroyed by Saint, by Cersei in true dictator fashion, no longer useful. Now she raised them up. I thought it was very, very powerful, but stupid, of course. But like I said, Danny is crazy. Cersei is a thug. She's a gangster. She raised up that power to remove people. She raised up that power to, to shake people, shake and bake, because she didn't want to marry Loras Tyrell. I get it. She didn't want to give away power, the, the power that she had over her son. I get it. But in doing that, she doomed herself, absolutely doomed herself. And of course, now that King Tommen knows that his wife is blown up, he jumps to his death, a suicide. And you don't want to see that. <laughs> so, Danny freeing the slaves as mother of dragons, commander of the Unsullied and Khaleesi. Um, which wasn't accepted. <laughs> she wasn't accepted as Khaleesi the first time, especially by the way she tried to get uh, Drago back. She wasn't accepted the second time when they snatched her up and took her back. I don't know where Dracon went, but he flew away from mom. He got, uh, got, got too far away, which I'm like, what? So, of course, the scene when, you know, they come back to Marine was, of course, amazing when they were under siege. But the symbolism of all these things, Danny freeing the slaves was um, it was it was amazing because I've, I've heard the statement, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Now, in King's Landing, which is the top kingdom, the ruler of all the other kingdoms, they profited off of any and everything out there. So, in a sense, King's Landing is supporting slavery. 
and whatever the unsullied are, the trained and all that. And Danny was the one, this crazy dragon woman that just believes she's supposed to have the throne. She did much more for it. She worked a lot harder for it. Cersei Lannister never left King's Landing, not once. She never went back to Castle Rock. She never left King's Landing. Meanwhile, you have Daenerys Targaryen, who is leaving home, travels to uh, the Dothraki uh, Sea of, of Wheat, the Sea of Grass, thrown there by her brother to be raped, and then, of course, later adorned and loved as a, as a Khaleesi, as a queen. But then she just travels. She travels to Kath. She travels to Marine, or uh, yeah, to, to Marine. She gets the unsullied with those dragons, and my God, like, she just keeps traveling. She just keeps doing stuff. Like, she earned it. Put, put the points up on the board. What has she done, and what did Cersei do besides conspire and kill people right inside of King's Landing? or ask for it, or push for it, whatever. Um, Sam killing the White Walker, um, great scene, great scene. To have someone like that be the first person to kill a White Walker, that was all I needed. I'm fine that, that nobody believed him. I'm fine that his dad didn't believe him. I'm fine with that, because what people don't understand a lot of times is to stand in the face of true fear is courage. You don't get courage from being brave all the time. Bravery is the result of facing fear. And Sam did that in a way that no one in the show did. He's defending and running around with a woman that's been pregnant by her father and that baby and defending them. What a noble thing. That was great. So the Red Wedding, the symbolism, symbolism of the Red Wedding, what that really taught me is <laughs> you really can't be defenseless in war times. You really must know who your enemies are. That Red Wedding was hard for me because I saw a lot of myself in Rob Stark. And the night before he's murdered at the Red Wedding, he's there with his wife it's this beautiful scene where they just made love. She's naked and he looks at her as beautiful as she is and says, you, you know, something like you got to put some clothes on before I come get it again. Or, you know, I'm about to tear it up. It's like, he's like, you need to put some clothes on. And she lets him know that she's pregnant. Now, I don't know who you are listening to this specifically, but it's hard to be more fulfilled in life at this point in this show as a man who could possibly be a king or king of the north to not only make love to this beautiful woman that now you love, but also know that you have a child with her. Messed up thing is, though, he chose this love and completely neglected the truce and the agreement that he made with Walder Frey. Now, I didn't 
the F that dude, Walter Frey, I'm sorry, he's in that. He's like in the middle of that for the Red Wedding. I, I, I didn't say his name, but he is definitely in there. Um, yes, he's definitely in there. Um, but Arya killing the Night King, who better to take out the Night King <laughs> than the one of many faces that's been training with the many face God? And they made that synonymous with death a lot because to get those faces usually meant that those people had to die. I don't know how Arya flew out of the tree or flew out of thin air to kill the Night King, but it was one of the most amazing and awesome things I've ever seen. Great writing, just great writing. Um, Mad Targaryen's betrayal at wartime. If anything should be said about the Targaryens, and I haven't read the books, anything should be said about the Targaryens is this. They are crazy. They are drunk with power, just like many other people, but they don't get to stay on the throne. And I mean, that's that's been proven several times now. Um, so that was a symbolism that, you know, it's kind of hard because if you really really like Daenerys Targaryen and, and you wonder what was this Mad King like? Was he so mad or, you know, did he really say that to Jamie Lannister to kill all these people? And how did Jamie Lannister have a heart then, but it seemed like he didn't have a heart when he pushed Bran out of the window? You never know. But Bran beating, Brienne of Tarth beating Sandor Clegane, um, that was, it was very symbolic of what I think I'm seeing today, which is women in power, women in rulership, which we saw in Game of Thrones very well. And not only that, but what women have to do to keep that power nowadays. Now, it was a very nasty, brutal fight, but she won it. And she did a great job. She's a master swordsman. She's actually a knight at the end. Um, and then the lat. The last piece of symbolism that I think really blew me away was the fight between the mountain and the hound. Now, I really didn't want this fight, but it was the mountain that burned his brother alive and gave him that nasty scar. So there was more of a, a tormenting than a brotherhood. And, and on that, I, I really understand. So yeah, while I didn't want that, you know, it, it was a cool scene. It was very symbolic. These killers from one family that are actually brothers finally kill each other and fall in the rubble and die. If the mountain did actually die, we don't know. He was on that zombie stuff. And he got stabbed right in the forehead and still lived. So, I mean, that's like that Terminator level stuff. I mean, he's, he's basically a zombie now. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the maester at that time that was under uh, Cersei Lannister um, poured some demon juice in him or somewhere or some of that uh, dead man stuff in him um, from the Night King. But let's close it up. My ending, this is how I would have ended it. And, um, you know, I just I have so much respect for this show. It was the most addictive show I've seen. It's great entertainment, great stories. So, you know, of all, I want to say thank you. And if there are more books, if, if Mr. Martin writes more books, I know there'll be a hit on the Libya's success and, and he'll do great. And, 
he can do a prequel that wraps up the ending as a dream that Bran Stark had. So, you know, he could do that too. Um, but I would have sent Arya to King's Landing to kill Cersei before getting, um, you know, before we get all riled up and and march toward, you know, Westeros. Um, I would have sent Arya to King's Landing to kill uh, Cersei Lannister. And that could have been an easy talk between Daenerys and Arya. They never talked. Well, not really. Um, but they never had like a one-on-one, not in the way that um, Daenerys and Sansa Stark talked. Um, they could have had a really great heart-to-heart after killing uh, the Night King, and they never did. She could have told her, hey, I'll kill the king for you if we get to be the North alone. I mean, it would, of course she wouldn't have agreed to it at first, but if John would have chimed in and said, hey, if you love me, you'll do this, I mean, she would have been right on board. Um, I would have had Arya actually fight Jamie as well. In coming to uh, winter, in coming to King's Landing, um, I would have had her face Jamie as well. I can't say whether or not I would have had <clears throat> Arya kill him or not, because the mountain would have been very nearby. So, if she did kill him, it would have been a great sword fight. Would have been great. Um, but if she didn't, the the rubble would still. You know, the, the destruction of Dracon would have still killed her. And I'm going I'm to come back to that. Um, Euron Greyjoy, I would have had Euron Greyjoy not only hit and kill the poor sweet dragon that he killed with three harpoons, I would have had him aim at Dracon and Daenerys and actually hit Daenerys. So instead of having Jon kill her in his loving embrace, I would have had Euron be that bad guy. He was wearing the role perfectly. He was doing such a great job. He's already firing bolts and harpoons at the dragons. If he was the one to kill Daenerys Targaryen, I would have been a little bit more comfortable with that because, A, I didn't want to see her go, and it would have been much more fitting to see that than the man that made love to her two weeks ago. Um... (laughs) So making him the killer of not just Danny but one of her dragons. Um, then I would have had Dracon just disappear. I really would have had him disappear with her and reappear um, with Jon Snow riding him and then being together in, in more of a, a vengeful type thing. You know, he's riding with Daenerys on his back, even though dead you know, and reappears with, you know, Jon Snow in some way. I mean, there's several ways to do it. Um, but I would I would have had, you know, Jon fight Euron, fight him, kill him, you know, face to face. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody was mad seeing Jon Snow whoop the snot out of Ramsey Bolton. Um, and this would have been no different. I mean, you know, he almost faced certain death there and get got stomped by a herd um Cersei's last order would have been for the mountain to kill Arya Stark seeing that Arya just killed Jaime Lannister you know maybe outside the chapel outside the Red Guard and and Jon Snow (laughs) 
And while chasing her, I would have had the mountain fight uh, Sandor Clegane and still die in the rubble. Um, so their ending still would have been the same. Um, but I would have had Bran continue to be the three-eyed raven. He was doing just fine by that tree. He was doing just fine. Could have had people to protect him. Theon could have protected him. He could have had, you know, Winterfell high guard protect him. Um, Brienne of Tarth could have trained warriors to protect him. And there would have been, uh, there really would be peace for them. Um, obviously, with the ending that they chose, him being in King's Landing, the, the, the title of King's Landing is so much better than Winterfell. So yeah, him being there is obviously stronger, but I would have, you know, I would have finished it with him just being in uh, Winterfell as the Three-Eyed Raven. He would do perfectly fine, or, you know, he could go back to the, the twigs and trees where the, the Three-Eyed Raven was. I um, mean, the way I would end it ultimately would be Jon Snow um, finally having a funeral, um, a burial uh, ceremony for... Uh, Daenerys Targaryen, mother of dragons, breaker of chains, Khaleesi, and command the Unsullied, the Dothraki, and travel to Marine and North with Dracon and close out. So that would be it. So I love you all. I hope you love me back. I hope you appreciate this podcast and appreciate uh, my synopsis. Uh, aspect on this Game of Thrones show. It's such a great show. Please, please like and share, like and share, like and share um, this page, this post, this podcast, and share it with your friends. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great week. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you soon.